Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program of information on the ever-changing world of accessibility. Now here are the hosts of this program, Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. Hello, I'm Nancy. And I'm Pete. This week, we'll be talking about the importance of accessibility of websites and programs and some of the tools that can be used to ensure that we have some accessible designs. We'll speak with Larry Lewis, who many of you probably remember from his years of running Flying Blind, but now he has a job as Director of Channel Sales and Strategic Partnerships for the Passiello Group, and we will be talking with him about what they do in terms of improving accessibility. But first, for our tip of the week, this week's tip comes from Larry Lewis. Those of us who are vision impaired can really perform any types of jobs that are out there. As long as we have the right tools, uh, we can be involved in any type of work that we so choose. And certainly that's one of the messages that have come across in many episodes of Eyes on Success, where we've interviewed blind professionals in many jobs that you might not think a blind person would be able to do. And we'll spend the rest of this episode talking about how Larry works to ensure that blind users have the tools they need to enable them to do this myriad of jobs. Support for Eyes on Success is provided by Way Around, revolutionizing how people with vision loss keep track of important information about everyday things with the tap of a smartphone. The simple tag and scan system promotes independence in everyday situations. Learn more at www.wayaround.com. And if you're interested in having a promotional item for your organization or service heard on Eyes on Success, Just send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net for more information. Let's start by meeting Larry and learning about his background in the accessibility field. My name is uh, Larry Lewis, and I work as the uh, Director of Channel Sales and Strategic Partnerships for the Pesciello Group, which is a, a accessibility firm that does a number of different things that we're going to be chatting about. My familiarity with Eyes on Success goes back to the flying blind days. Uh, for about 12 years, I've run my own business uh, that have, has been involved in a number of different professional development, assistive technology efforts, accessibility efforts, and I'm sure we'll cover cover some of them as we as we go throughout the presentation. But I, for the better part of uh, about 25 years, have been in this industry. I have worked in partnerships outside of this industry with mainstream companies as well, startups, for the main purpose to showcase how uh, assistive technology uh, coupled with accessibility guidelines can really make it so that those of us who are vision impaired can really perform any types of jobs that are out there. As long as we have the right tools, uh, we can be involved in any type of work that we so choose. And as a blind individual, you're not only a distributor of these services, but also a user of many of these services and technologies, right? 
Correct. So, uh, as I said, I started back in the the late 90s getting involved in in product management related issues, Uh, worked for Humanware for a number of years and then segued into uh, doing some work with Optilac as it relates to some of their uh, Braille products and and so forth. Uh, And so screen reading with the appropriate medium, be it audio or tactile or some combination of audio and tactile, real important for me. Uh, You have to have robust screen reading behind whatever it is you're trying to access. And I think it's really important and a great thing to have the users be part of the development cycle of these products, and it makes it much more useful to the people who are eventually going to use these technologies. Yeah, and it has to be a a wide cross-section of users. So what I might think is important, and I learned this going all the way back to my time at Humanware, uh, you know, what I might think is important really might not be with other market segments, especially I learned very early on that Larry the adult is very different than Larry the student in the classroom, right? And so you have to not just think in terms of yourself as a user, but you have to put yourself in different capacities. Uh, You know, how would I use this in a classroom setting? How would I use this in a call center or a desktop setting? I've always had sort of mobile transient type jobs. Uh, how would I use this in a collegiate setting? How would I use this if I only had one hand and couldn't see? And so I'm a big fan of user stories being a part of any type of uh, product development and coming up with, well, what is the product supposed to do in, in case of screen readers or whatever? And then what are all the different types of things that any user would do? And then how do we tie these different disabilities into our user stories? A lot to think about there. Oh, it is. And then what I've learned, and I say this jokingly, it's not about me. Uh, I'm a part of that, but I'm a segment of a, of a much bigger picture. And that's difficult for all of us to do, to take ourselves out of what we think is important and maybe look at things a little bit more from a, a panoramic type big picture view. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. This week's focus topic is some of the tools and resources that are available to make software accessible to people with vision loss. So tell us a little bit about the Pesiello Group and what they do. Okay, so the Pesiello Group was founded by a gentleman named Mike Pesiello, uh, I believe about 15 years ago. Uh, Mike made his name and, and built his company all around the idea of making content, digital content, accessible. And uh, his quite a name throughout the industry as it relates to a digital content firm uh, providing accessibility services. Mike's actually been on the show talking about... Oh, awesome. Well, but it was over five years ago, so no problem refreshing people's memories about what he does. Right. So about a year and a half ago, Mike Passiello sold his company to... Now they're called Vispero, V-I-S-P-E-R-O. They used to be called the VFO Group, and the VFO Group is a venture capital group who has invested quite a lot of money in assistive technology. They've bought uh, the Freedom Scientific JAWS for Windows brand and all the hardware that comes with that. They've also invested money in the low vision market, both purchasing Optilac and uh, Enhanced Vision. And so they have actually invested quite a lot of money in assistive technology, and they wanted to get into the business of 
becoming a little bit more familiar with the digital content side of the house or the service and accessibility type services side of the house. So they purchased uh, the Pasiello Group and have folded that into this umbrella of companies. That gives us a, a strategic advantage in some respects as the Pasiello Group because not only are we an accessibility firm that provides accessibility guidance and, and some things that we'll talk about in, in a little bit more detail in a minute, but it, we're also owned by the same parent company who makes a lot of the assistive technology tools that individuals use. So uh, for people who use JAWS and ZoomText, and it's they're not the only products out there, and I know that. Um, there's a lot of uh, voiceover users, there's a lot of NVDA users and, and so forth. We recognize that. So. Uh, I want to be very clear because I, I know that um, when this happened about a year and a half ago before I joined the Pasiello Group, there was a little bit of pushback in the industry because it was another company that was bought up by a, a big group of companies and so forth. And so I can appreciate being sensitive to, to folks thinking that, well, is this just going to become a, a JAWS testing center? We still do quite a lot of mobile business uh, as it relates to making sure that applications de designed for your iPhone and your your Android tablets and whatnot, we make sure that uh, those things are conformant without even JAWS being in the picture. And we also use uh, non-visual de desktop access as one of our auditing uh, tools as it relates to. So it's not about us making things work well with JAWS. We're still very much committed to accessibility and accessibility standards that are screen reader agnostic. Having said that, we also uh, have some tools out there that are a little bit more JAWS centric that um, for the JAWS user to have an accessible experience and how that ties into employment and so forth, uh, JAWS does play a, a significant part of what we do, but we are an accessibility firm committed to making sure that accessibility standards and guidelines are, are upheld and it, it's helpful when um, you have an, under the same umbrella of companies uh, the ability to make your screen reading products a little bit better because of the accessibility know-how that you possess. What kinds of companies does the Passiello Group work with? Our market is across sectors. You know, we're working with the banks you use. We're working with uh, restaurant, like large chains, and very heavily in the financial industry because we all know how lovely it is to, to try to apply for a mortgage online or, um, you know, do things with our banks and bill paying and different things like that. So we do a lot with banks and uh, a lot with large chains. We are also uh, in the kiosk business in that we provide testing services to make sure that applications designed for kiosks work. We also have, a, you know, we have a version of JAWS and ZoomText that we can customize specifically for Windows-based kiosks. So we also have those services available. But uh, we also provide a number of different types of, we call them accessibility reviews. They're often referred to as audits. And then uh, we provide remediation guidance. And with big organizations, sometimes they need artifacts, um, either in the form of a conformance statement or what we would call a voluntary product accessibility template or a VPAT. So I know that the Paciello Group, as you've just described, provides services where they can assess websites and other mm -hmm. um, 
stuff. I don't know. I'll think of a better word for accessibility. But mm-hmm. but let's say you run a little mom and pop shop and you want to put up a little website and you don't want to spend big bucks getting a professional review of how well you did. Are there any simple tools that the individual or the small business could use as at least a first cut to check for accessibility? Uh, yeah. So we have a couple of tools and a couple of resources. So we have a a tool called your accessibility viewer. It's a free tool and it just makes sure that your HTML content is uh, interacting properly with different accessibility APIs that are out there. And so that's a free tool that we offer. It's called our accessibility viewer. It's probably not going to be super useful to you unless you're into coding or, or dealing with HTML, but it's a free tool that we have. And uh, we also have some low cost means of giving you accessibility guidance. Uh, we have a product called TPG Tutor, which is um, e-learning modules that can be purchased that will teach you everything as it relates to developing uh, content, testing your content, making sure that you're on the right track early on from an accessibility standpoint. And uh, those tutorials can, you know, you're just dealing with hundreds of dollars, not necessarily thousands of dollars. Again, it's called TPG Tutor, and uh, they're all self-paced, accessible e-learning courses with knowledge checks throughout them, and we make those available as well. Because uh, accessibility can be uh, expensive business. What other tools are there for small businesses and other low-budget operations? We also have a color contrast uh, analyzer that's a free tool uh, that individuals can download and make sure that they've got the right color contrast, which is uh, one of the biggest violations out there. And so we make sure that your color contrast is right, that your HTML content is developed in such a way so that if you're using ARIA or some of the different types of things that are out there, the screen reader can read it properly. We give you some freebies. We give you some low-cost e-learning type modules and uh, try to give you enough guidance so that if you don't have the money, and the small businesses don't, I know, because I've <laughs> I've run a small business for the better part of a decade, and it's you know, you're not going to have the money, nor are you going to have the need to just have I mean, when when we talk about accessibility reviews for a bank or something like that, we're talking about inward facing, outward facing everything. And it's it's a big job. So while it's expensive, it often requires a couple of accessibility engineers and a project manager and contract language and, and all kinds of good stuff like that. So for the small business that you refer to, uh, you know, we, we try to accommodate as well. It's nice to have those tools available in one centralized location because, you know, people who are putting up, if you're a bank or a small business, you can put up a website and you can certainly do the HTML yourself or hire someone to do it. Sure. But if they don't follow established guidelines quite properly, it can be a real problem for screen reader users. Or as you say, with the color design, you know, who would think of the colors unless they're made aware of these things? And if there are some simple ways of at least screening for these problems and then someone they can turn to to ask for help, that's a great thing. Well, I heard an interesting stat uh, the other day that one out of every 10 males have some degree of color blindness. And the punchline to that is that the rest of them just dress that way. 
<laughs> right. Uh, but, you know, we, I, I want to be clear that while vision, visual impairment is at the center of, of what I'm interested in and what I do, we test across uh, WCAG guidelines. So not just for visual disabilities, but also for captioning, for people who are hard of hearing, for people who have, uh, you know, hand motor issues. So tell us why it's important to develop for accessibility. There are three reasons to do accessibility. It's the right thing to do. It also makes good business because when you're dealing with e-commerce and so forth, there's a lot of money across disabilities that are out there. But what drives accessibility more times than not is we need to do this so that we don't get sued. I feel that it's in the interest of, of candor and honesty that your listeners should hear that that is what drives it. And it doesn't mean let's all go out and see who we can sue or blah, blah, blah. But accessibility is a civil right, just like any other civil right out there. And uh, it's at the heart of what I do. Uh, I believe that any type of digital content out there, be it a, a course that I want to take or a house that I want to buy or a loan process I want to go through or uh, something that I want to order using my mobile phone, like that needs to be accessible. And if it's not, then it's a violation of the disabled person's right. The interesting benefit of designing for accessibility, I believe, is that often when people design with accessibility in mind for a wide group of individuals or groups of people, is that these designs are often better for people who are sighted and don't have any of these issues. You know, less clutter on a web page yep. is not only very important for people using a screen reader, but it makes it easier for people who can see the screen. It's just easier and nicer to use. Well, one of the pillars of WEGCAG is understandable. So you've got perceivable, operable, understandable, and robust. And so making things understandable, and, and I would say accessibility can be a balancing act because you can make things understandable for a screen reader user while not deviating from you know, some of the visual type things that people who see or have vision might want to use. If you make things understandable and you adhere to those guidelines, everybody wins. And uh, you know, another interesting stat that I've heard kicked around is there's really only a 3% increase in level of effort as it relates to implementing accessibility into your processes. And 3% is in the scheme of things, not really that big a deal. And I think once those best practices are embraced and they're built into your processes, that level of effort is going to drop even more as far as a, an increase above, above and beyond what you're supposed to do. But I agree, you know, making things perceivable and understandable, everybody benefits whether you have a disability or not. And my perception is that many developers they're happy to include some accessibility features if they're made aware of them. They're not usually aware of the problem. Yeah, they're not. So, I mean, I often write to developers, program developers, uh, website developers, and say, look, this is an issue. And they ask, you know, what the problem is and how can it be rectified? And I usually tell them, and, and often they'll fix it, unless it's a major rehaul of their infrastructure. But generally, they're quite willing to work with you and do the right thing. Yeah, and more times than not, when we come across an accessibility barrier, it's because somebody just doesn't know. Look, it's not a situation where developers are out to get the blind people and make things hard for them to use. Then how do you go about educating developers about accessibility and the importance of accessibility and how to do it? 
I will work with a room full of developers and show them basic things like having things lined up properly, tab order, reading order, focus, interacting with form fields, not knowing when I've made an error, not being advised of that. And when they see it, they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe, you know, that it's like a light goes on. So I think while it gets frustrating from time to time to be the educator, and sometimes we feel like we, we shouldn't have to do this, they should know this stuff, there are more people out there who don't know about this stuff than who do know about it. And so the more we can educate and point things out, then when ignorance is not an excuse, then if things that continue, then it's like, well, look, we've had this discussion before. What's going on here? What's driving this inaccessible roadblock? But I think you're right, Peter. It's, it's important to constructively educate while not taking your foot off the gas. That's for sure. And let's face it. We, as the users of these assistive technologies, we're comfortable using them. We know what their capabilities are and their limitations, and the developers often don't. They don't have you know, visually impaired developers or people who are colorblind developing. So they need to be made aware. It's, it's really up to us to stand up and make them aware. Yeah, we've come up with a, a pretty interesting tool to, to help mitigate that a little bit. It's a tool called JAWS Inspect. And what JAWS Inspect does is it allows a non-screen reader user to run a report of the JAWS experience on a particular page. And it visually shows them what the screen reader would say, links it to a screenshot and the underlying code, and allows you to export out problems that you find into a spreadsheet and track them. And that's how developers work. They identify bugs, they log them, they put them in to be fixed in the next build or the next round of uh, development, a sprint. And so we've experienced some uh, eye-opening success uh, as it relates to showing folks visually who are terrified to learn how to use a screen reader. What you're seeing here is what it sounds like to us. Does it make sense to you? So we're pretty happy with what that tool JAWS inspect. Right. Good. Well, I hope any of our listeners who have been frustrated due to lack of accessibility got a real appreciation of just how much work is involved in making it right. And we are all grateful that there are people out there like Larry Lewis working very hard to improve accessibility for everybody. Now for this week's final item, how you can learn more about the Passiello Group as well as some of Larry's prior ventures and how to contact Larry if you have any questions. So if people wanted to find out more about some of these tools and what's available from the Passiello Group, where would you send them? Well, uh, you can always contact me or you can just go to www.passiellogroup.com. That's P A C. I-E-L-L-O-G-R-O-U-P.com would be the simplest way. My email is Lewis L-E-W-I-S, at PasielloGroup.com, and um, we'd be happy to help you out. Is there a phone number where people can reach you? Yes, you may call us at 877-775-9474, and uh, chances are you may actually get connected to me or, or somebody else along those lines who are going to be able to assist you uh, with whatever it is you might need on the digital accessibility front. Do you have a social media presence? 
Uh, I believe it's this at Passiella group. We tweet a lot. And can you give us a brief reminder of some of the tools that people should look for that are maybe free to get them started with and then some of the other tools they might look for if they're interested in finding out more? Yep. As I said, we have a color contrast um, analyzer. So if you go to the Pesciello group, uh, you should be able to go to the resources link and you'll find that color contrast analyzer. You will also find that um, a viewer or accessibility viewer that I mentioned earlier. We do have a product that we're not really maintaining too much anymore that is still up on the website called our web accessibility toolbar. It's a little bit more Internet Explorer centric and, and we just haven't been doing a lot with that uh, these days, but it's still up there and still something that's very usable. But if you go to that resources link, you're going to find those tools and, and you'll get a link to our blog. We have some very active bloggers who are engineers who are always on the front end of uh, talking about all different types of things, either things that they've used, uh, best practices that they find for how content should be developed and so forth. And that resources link is, is particularly helpful. There should be different links on that, that Passiello group page to take a look at things like our TPG tutor, which is affordable for uh, a small business. You can get our entire curriculum for a, a single user, roughly about a dozen courses uh, for under $1,000. And it's all self-paced and so forth. Cool. You are well known among the blindness community for your prior work with Flying Blind. Mm -hmm. Do you want to give any kind of contact information for that? Yeah, so uh, much of what I have been shifting to with Flying Blind has been along the lines of what I'm doing at Pesciello. And so much of what I've done at Flying Blind that relates to assistive technology has sort of faded away. We are keeping our weekly newsletter going for the time being, and, and you know, I know we often showcase eyes on success in there. So uh, you know, there are some limited things that we're doing, but much of my prior business with Flying Blind has is, is either gone away or been folded into what I'm doing now. You can always reach me uh, at Larry.Lewis, that's L-A-R-R-Y period L-E-W-I-S, at flying, F-L-Y-I-N-G hyphen blind.com or call 216-381-8107. Uh, I'd love to hear from you and help you out as much as I can, but there may be some things that I used to do for you that I don't do anymore. Your Top Tech Tidbits newsletter is a very interesting newsletter for visually impaired people to keep track of new technologies and new things going on in the field of assistive technology. How can people sign up for that newsletter? So you can go to the Flying Blind website, www.flying-blind.com, and it's a fairly easy process uh, to sign up for. If you have any issues signing up for it, you can email us at enews, that's E as an echo, news, N-E-W-S, at flying-blind.com. Or email me as well, and, and I'll make sure you're signed up. And I recommend people do that. Eyes on Success actually gets a number of show ideas from that newsletter. So thanks for putting that out. And as many of our listeners know, you can find all that contact information, the URLs, etc., in the show notes associated with this episode at www.eyesonsuccess.net. That's it for show number 1903. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking about surfing in the ocean. 
We'll speak with Joshua Loya, who is the United States sight-impaired surfing champion. And he will describe the experience and what adaptations are necessary and how he works with his coach. And you may remember Joshua from a much earlier episode when we talked with him about his experience doing martial arts, in several of which he has black belts, and these are often varieties that use weapons. So nothing phases Joshua. He's had a fascinating life and lots of interesting extreme sports experiences. If you have any questions regarding something you've heard about on the show or you'd like to share an idea for a future show, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net or call us at 585-210-8094. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy and distributed by WXXI Reach Out Radio. Browse the full archive of programs, find instructions for subscribing to the podcasts, and much more at www.eyesonsuccess.net. You can also find us on iTunes and follow us on Facebook at Eyes on Success or Twitter at underscore Eyes on Success. We hope you will join us again next week for more information and updates on products for accessible living. Thanks for listening to Eyes on Success and have a nice day.